You're listening to The Wonder Podcast, brought to you by Be The Change Youth Initiative, where we believe everyone should be seen, heard, and loved. We're committed to educating, equipping, and empowering youth to use their lives in advocacy for others. The Wonder Podcast was created to be a space where we truly see and hear one another. Because when we listen to people's stories, empathy is cultivated. So we'd like to invite you along with us as we listen and learn from others. This is The Wonder Podcast. Today's guest is Sarah Miranda, the Southeast Region Coordinator for the Mental Health Association of East Tennessee. We met Sarah last year through a mutual friend, Sophia Jarvis. Some of you might remember Sophia. She's one of the co-founders of Luminary Plays, and we also um, was also a guest on the podcast, episode 24 specifically. She really wanted us to connect with Sarah because she's doing great things to further the conversation around mental health, especially for youth. But even outside the realm of her career, the topic of mental health is woven so deeply into Sarah's own personal story, which is one of the reasons she's such an incredible advocate. I'm very excited for you all to get to know Sarah and get to hear her story, but also to share some of the projects we'll be collaborating on this year around youth mental health. Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. Yes, thank you so much for asking me. I'm definitely excited. Yay! So before we start, I always ask guests three fun get-to-know-you questions. The first, I know you love music, especially live music. Is there a live show you attended that you can't stop thinking about? Can't stop thinking about. Um, So I'm a huge fan of Moon Taxi, and I have been to about three of their different concerts just at different times, but their first one was definitely probably like one of my all-time favorites. That'd be such an incredible experience. Yeah, yeah. It was in Macon, Georgia, and the tickets were like five dollars to get in uh, just before they like got really uh, out there, you know. Um, but yeah, that was probably one of my favorite uh, concerts I've been to. I love that. Yeah. The next question is: You recently went to Iceland for your honeymoon, which I heard was an incredible experience. What would be your next go-to destination? Yeah, that's a great question. So we are actually going to Tulum in March for my birthday. (laughs) So yes, we, part of it, we did have to use some flight credit that we had left over from changing plans. So that's the main reason that we're doing that, but we're going in March uh, to Tulum, Mexico. So I'm very excited for that. And that'll be about a five day trip. Oh my gosh. That's going to be so fun. I'm not jealous. (laughs) You're going to travel everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And because we're all about supporting local business, what chat coffee shop is your go-to at the moment? Hmm. So uh, I'm a coffee nut, like me and Nate, especially like we drink so much coffee. The one that I go to the most consistently is definitely be caffeinated. I live very closely to their like little drive-through stand. Um, and so I've just always kind of been there. Um, love all of them, honestly, but that's kind of like my usual go-to. Is I love it. Yeah. yeah, we are huge supporters of Be Caffeinated. So for those that yeah. are listening and you live in Chattanooga and you haven't gone to Be Caffeinated, it's kind of impossible because like everyone knows it's Be Caffeinated. <laughs> but, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you should definitely just go to Be Caffeinated today. So yeah. there's a little shout out for today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Thank you so much for being on. I am so excited about this conversation and all the collaborations that we get to talk about later. So much of your work and honestly, um, our life is story driven. We love creating stories through our music and we really love listening to the stories of other people, especially when there's a life lesson or application that we can learn from. 
But in this season of life, I feel like some of the most impactful stories for us have been from people who have found their vocation or those taking bold steps in life to find it. I'd love for you to share a little bit about your personal journey that led you to become the Southeast Region Coordinator for the Mental Health Association of East Tennessee. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I definitely feel like my journey was probably like most, definitely not in a straight line, very up and down. Um, ever since I was like younger, as in like high school age, I had always kind of like wanted to do something in the helping professions. That was always kind of my drive. Um, family background, um, my mother passed whenever I was eight years old um, due to um, substance abuse. Um, and so that was always just like really big in my family. My parents were always, especially my stepmother was always encouraging us to give back into the community. So that had always kind of been in my life, but I did have a very um, large drive for it. Um, and so whenever I moved to Georgia and finished out high school, I fell in love with my undergrad college, Mercer University, and um, I was originally wanting to go there for nursing, right, because my mentality was like, oh, like, this is a fantastic way for me to be able to help people. Was not something I was good at. I did awful in anatomy my first semester, and I was like, I might need to rethink my life. So at that point, I really kind of like struggled in college. I I changed majors like four different times, you know, from education to, um, I, you know, the teacher thing I was looking at doing for about a semester or two. There was another point whenever I went just like the straight psychology route, because I was like, okay, I'm just going to focus on mental health and nothing else. And then I eventually ended up with um, a double major in psychology and global development. And the global development portion is what really struck my passion for community development. Um, that is where I really got deep down into, okay, what are nonprofits? What are NGOs? And like, how does this work in communities? And so while the focus was definitely, you know, in international countries and, you know, third world countries as they were developing, um, a lot of it was still very applicable, even to where I lived in Macon, Georgia. And so um, throughout college, I was a part of a bunch of different um, like organizations on campus. Um, my sorority worked directly with Make-A-Wish Foundation. So we did stuff with them. Um, I was one of the executive members of the dance marathon chapter that we had. Um, and so that is where I really like found kind of like, okay, this kind of community development work is what I want to do. Um, but whenever I graduated college, there was not a lot of opportunity where I was to work in that kind of position that was not like volunteer based or very, very little pay. And especially with me being a very recent college graduate, I had to make a check. So I took the first job I could kind of get um, at an insurance company and it was rough. You know, it definitely wasn't like the fulfilling or exciting thing you wanted it to be after college. Um, and so I kind of stayed there while I really tried to figure out exactly which direction I wanted to go. Um, and I had fallen in love with Chattanooga absolutely loved this city. I had been up here a couple times with my now husband. Um, we visited the Jarvis's. That's how I met them, um, you know, and um, I was like, okay, I'm going to start applying to jobs in Chattanooga. And I knew it was a long shot because, you know, it's hard to get a job in like a, a very like growing city. And I was such a new graduate, didn't have a ton of experience, but, um, you know, I, I found the position with Mental Health Association of East Tennessee, and I loved everything about it. It was, you know, the networking that I love. It was the community organization that I loved. Um, it was the youth and the education aspect of it, which meant a lot to me because I did love that study 
in undergrad, um, learning about learning basically. Um, and so it kind of checked all of my, all of my markers. And um, I was just really grateful. Um, I was given the opportunity to have an interview. I um, drove up from Macon, Georgia to Knoxville, Tennessee uh, to do a interview that lasted about 45 minutes, drove right back. And then I had work that evening because I worked like third shift. So it was a, <laughs> it was a wild ride, but I was very, very grateful for the opportunity. Um, the day that my, um, the CEO, my boss, um, Ben Harrington called me, I'll never forget it because I was in the dog store or, you know, and it just got the phone call and I freaked out in the car and I was just so stoked. So um, soon after that is kind of like when I started, um, I got the job offer. I want to say it was in like late November of 2019. So we moved up to chat in January of 2020. And since then, um, it's definitely been a fantastic role to be in. I love that. Yeah. So much of even when we first met, so much of our conversation, just hearing that story and getting to hear your heart about youth. Um, and even just now, like this kind of goes into the next segment, but how you just love learning about learning. And so that's why I wanted to talk about statistics. So as we segue to the conversation about mental health and youth, um, I don't really, I don't want to simply throw numbers out there. I think that's with every Thing that we do with Be the Change because we know how people can just kind of like glance over that. Um, but I want to make those numbers relatable. So moving past the numbers and talking about the people that they represent, but also percentages don't tell the whole story. Um, for example, the most recent data shows us that 13.8% of youth are coping with depression, which is up from 13% the previous year. Uh, you might look at that and say, you know, that's not a huge increase. But tell that to the 206,000 youth that 0.8% of an increase represents. Or how about the fact that 9.7% of youth suffer from severe depression? Uh, compared to that previous statistic, you might be tempted to think, well, that's not as bad, except for the fact that 9.7% represents more than 2.3 million youth. And these statistics are coming from an annual study from Mental Health America um, called the State of Mental Health in America. And I'd really love to get your thoughts on this um, and talk specifically a little bit about how we can reduce those numbers. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the thing to always keep in mind, and I loved it whenever you said it, was um, remembering the person behind the numbers. Because like you said, in any position, any job, it is very easy for you to look at a percentage and forget what that means. Um, and this, this field is no different, obviously. Whenever we're talking about youth mental health, we're talking about rates of mental illness, rates of um, suicidal ideation, whatever it may be, um, it comes to you in number form. And so it is really important for us to remember that. Um, but one way that I do like to break it down, especially whenever we are talking about numbers is like you said, whenever you first mentioned that like 13% to someone, they're like, oh, well, that's not that much, right? Especially because what ends up happening typically is they compare it to other things that are on a larger scale. So it kind of gets diminished. Um, so one of the things that we do like to kind of do and point out and try to draw more attention to because it does kind of force people to look at it a little bit differently is either by breaking it down more into like where you live or breaking it down into like more specific categories. So for like prime example, in Tennessee, suicide is the leading cause of death between 12 to 18. And so that right there is like, this is our home. We live in Tennessee. These are our students struggling. These are our kids who are struggling. And so that sometimes can be a helpful kind of like new perspective to look at it. Um, but same thing too, even just looking at nationwide, one in four students and kids, teenagers will experience a diagnosable mental health condition before 18. 
And so sometimes bringing it kind of back into that is a little bit easier for people, especially too, if you talk to people who have like even say four kids, like there you go, they've got one in that group that is more than likely going to experience something like that. Um, and so it can be really scary um, whenever we're looking at those statistics and we're coming face to face with the reality of the fact that these are real people, these are real people who are struggling. Um, and one of the more concerning parts in, in my kind of like field and it just kind of like my own drive kind of pulls me to is the fact that it takes a really long time for those people to get help. And there's a tons of different barriers as to why that is. And we could probably do an entire podcast on that alone, right? Um, <laughs> but the average delay between like symptoms and onset of treatment like is 11 years. And so that's 11 years that someone is suffering pretty much by themselves without knowledge of what is going on with them. And that can be an extremely isolating feeling, especially for students, especially for youth, um, as they're coming into contact with new things that they've never experienced before. Um, and so, like I said, it's really important for us to think about the people that it represents, um, because even if it was just one, that one would still be as important as the 200,000, like, you know, and so that's kind of like where I like to keep my mindset in it. Um, but um, essentially, whenever you look at reducing the numbers, right, because it's like, that's the goal, right? We don't want anyone to have to suffer through this and definitely not alone. And we definitely don't want anyone to not have access to resources, you know. Um, the big thing for us is definitely prevention, we look at prevention, 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 education um, for us is a really, really big deal. Um, you know, if we, one of our like mottos and visions is called before stage four. And so we treat it as if you do any other physical illness. So prime example being cancer, right? It's known fact that you want to get ahead of a cancer diagnosis at like stage zero, stage one, because that gives you the absolute best chance of recovery. Um, more than likely is not going to be nearly as severe treatment or intensive treatment. We treat mental health the exact same way. We want to reach our students and people whenever they are at stage zero before they get upstream. And it requires a lot more intense treatment. Um, not that it's not doable because it definitely is, but it does add an extra step for people to have to take. Um, and so we are just really focused on that prevention aspect of mental health and mental illness specifically, um, especially in our youth. But another thing that is important to talk about too, whenever we look at reducing the numbers, um, is the resource availability. And like I said, I don't want to talk too much on this because there, I could just go down so many rabbit holes, but um, it's almost kind of looking at it from a sense of a lot of times whenever we think about mental health and self-care, um, for some reason, um, probably multiple different reasons nowadays, it's almost kind of seen as something that's luxurious and it can be really hard for students to believe that they can attain it. Um, so whenever we go into schools and we're talking to students, we really like to educate them on like, you know, what self-care actually means. And so we always ask them like, what is self-care to you? And, you know, you may get some pretty, you know, more uh, luxurious answers than you would think from like a seventh grader, but it'd be like, oh, like going to get, you know, my nails done or, oh, like going to get my hair done. And that is great. Those are great ways to practice self-care, but especially for people who maybe just don't have the finances to be able to do that. We want to make sure that they know too, self-care is literally just like making sure you're taking care of your body, making sure that you are maintaining hygiene, eating somewhat healthily, getting an appropriate amount of sleep, right? And so looking at the resources that are available on a day-to-day -day aspect can be very important um, because whenever we start looking into, you know, 
therapy and treatment and stuff, there's are a lot larger of barriers. So we really like to kind of empower students and people in general to look at the resources that they have every single day. So, um, you know, learning what self-care truly is, learning the things that you can be doing to take care of your mental health. Um, and then also just really pushing out the very, you know, maybe cliche mentality, but just being kind to one another. Um, we teach our students that you never know what's going on underneath the surface ever with the person, no matter how happy, successful they may seem. Um, and so the importance of being kind to each other, I think, is, you know, astronomical and it's very underrated. And nowadays, you know, people say it, but they don't do it. And I think that that's very important to keep in mind. Um, but also to um, one of the things that we do in regards to prevention also are like free mental health screenings. And so the reason I like to talk about this is, again, we want to get away from this idea that, um, you know, improving your mental health or increasing your mental health is unattainable. Um, and so one of the things that we offer on our website is a free mental health screening. And essentially what this is, is it's an educational resource that we have. Um, and it just helps the user identify if they do have any symptoms that may be associated with mental illness. Um, so it's not a diagnosable resource. It is an educational resource. Um, but it is great because it's completely anonymous, confidential, it takes about five minutes. And one of the ways we also like to frame it is if you are concerned about someone that may be struggling with their mental health, you can take it for them and then approach them with that and say like, hey, I did this because I've noticed some things that have been happening that to me seemed out of character for you. And this is what this said, like, let's talk about it. Or how does that make you feel? Um, but we also push it out in the sense of just about everybody at some point every year or every other year has some form of like doctor's appointment to make sure that they are healthy. So whether that be at the school and you see the nurse or whether that be like you go to your primary care doctor, especially whenever you're younger and you're growing, um, we'd like to treat mental health in the exact same way. So we always throw in there, like do the screening once a year, like take this test. It's easy. It's a great way to check in with yourself. Um, and so I think that those are some of the ways that we can like realistically look at reducing some of the numbers that we see. And just the sheer fact that, especially whenever we're looking at mental illness on the spectrum and like how severe it can be, we want to reach people before it is considered severe. And I think that that is one way um, that we could potentially do that. Mm -hmm. There's so many things that you said that I could talk about. I think, yes, it's important to know that that one person matters just as much as the other. 200,000. Um, Self-care is for everyone and it doesn't have to be quote unquote this luxurious thing, but sometimes it is, like you said, just taking a step back, making sure that you're taking care of yourself mentally, whether it's quiet time or just like breathing exercises. I know that if I'm having a super crazy day, just going back to those basic things um, really helps center myself yeah. in a way that just helps me get through the day and just kind of remind me of like, I'm here everything is like, even though it feels chaotic right now, I, like it's, that's okay. And it's okay to just sit in that. Um, and the fact that you guys have resources on your website is incredibly important. And I love that you want to treat it just like it would be like going to your doctor, or primary care doctor, if you were feeling something physically wrong. So I think, and those are all things that I've heard from whether it's Try Love in Our Arms or you guys at Mental Health um, Association of East Tennessee, a lot of people are still trying to push that out or even just the importance of like being kind. I think, it, like you said, it's something that gets lost a lot of the time when it really is just the simple act of, you know, checking in on friends or just being kind to the person that 
annoys you a little bit, you know, because you never <laughs> know, you never know what is going on in someone's head. So I think it's important to really kind of go back to those things. So I really appreciate what you said about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and at this point, it's obvious that there's work to do. Yeah. <laughs> what we said with all the statistics, what you talked about resources, uh, which leads us to our projects for this year, which I'm really excited about through creation yeah. of the mental health PSA targeting youth. Be the Change Youth Initiative is partnering with Mental Health Association of East Tennessee to create a PSA focusing on your mental health 101 program. So I'd love for you to share with those listening about the mental health 101 and why creating the PSA is so important. Absolutely. So um, Mental Health 101 is our program. It's definitely our bread and butter, right? Um, this program, it's not just here in Chattanooga. We have you know, a regional coordinator up in Northeast and Johnson City, Tri-Cities area, as well as our main headquarters in um, Knoxville. And so we're in these three different regions of the state to do this program. Um, and we reach a lot of students every year, right? Um, which is fantastic. And we've only been growing, which is even more exciting for us. Um, but um, again, kind of like stressing what I, I talked about previously as well, Mental Health 101 is very important whenever it does look at like prevention efforts, especially in the sense of prevention education. Um, so our program looks like everything from understanding just the three basic things that mental health is. That's our first question that we ask every single class whenever we walk in is what is mental health? And you know, you get a ton of different answers and the way that we like to break it down is your thoughts, your feelings and your behaviors and talk to them about who has mental health, who in here has mental health, because sometimes even then students don't necessarily know that, especially depending on, you know, what their background is, what stigmas they face every single day based off of whether their family, the society that they're living in. Um, so we really like to just keep it pretty simple whenever we're in there, because again, we want to make sure that the complexities can be broken down to where our students are recognizing this in themselves. Um, but outside of just like diving deep into kind of the basics, um, you know, we also talk about coping, which is incredibly important um, for us at every single stage of our life. But, you know, um, I don't know about you, but I still have some bad habits that I've had pretty much since I was like, you know, in preschool, um, like prime example, like biting my nails, like it's the worst habit. I've done it for as long as I can remember. And it's still hard to break. I'm 24. And so that's kind of what we try and talk to our students about with coping is like, you know, I'm in the sixth grade class. And sometimes like, I'm just like, listen, like, this is why it's so important because if you don't set these healthy habits now, it's going to be much harder to do that as you continue to get older. So we do really look at the difference between healthy coping and unhealthy coping um, and do our best to try and help the students come up with healthy things. We want to make sure that they're understanding the difference between those while also knowing that it's not black and white. Everybody has their own way of coping and that is perfectly fine as long as it's done healthily. Um, but even outside of that, you know, we do um, suicide prevention education. Um, we talk about self-harm in our presentations. Um, we do a lot of conversation about our support network because our support network is so important to our mental health. Um, and so this is going to be looking like everything from like, who is in it? Um, when do you need to set boundaries? How do you set boundaries? Um, that's a really important skill for us to have. Um, and I know even myself sometimes can struggle with setting proper boundaries. And so we like to teach our kids from a young age, um, especially and as they get older, have very frank conversations with them on the best ways to do that um, and why that can be so important for their mental health. 
And so, you know, we really break it down into very realistic, relevant things that these students are not only facing, but they will continue to face because we want to try and prepare them as much as we possibly can to understanding this stuff. Um, we give them skills on how to help themselves if they are recognizing this um, kind of, you know, symptomology or anything kind of going on with them, but also how to help their friends. Those are two other portions that we have in the presentation um, in regards to if you're concerned about your mental health or the mental health of a friend. So we really like to equip them with those skills. And, um, you know, it definitely in regards to the PSA, um, outside of awareness, which is, you know, key for us, right? Um, we want to get into more schools. Um, be working alongside y'all, I know in the future, um, it's so important for us to partner with organizations who are just as passionate um, and that are also focused on the students. Um, because I think that, again, we wanna make sure that we are being very intentional in our jobs and we are being very intentional in our direction. Um, and especially in regards to the Mental Health 101 program, um, our youth is what our focus is, is, is on. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's a good thing that we're going to maintain focus on that. Um, but essentially, you know, we do really want to continue our growth into new schools. So I know for me specifically, I'm in 11, I'm in, I'm responsible for 11 regions here in the Southeast. Um, and every single time that I get into a new school, um, especially if it's a new school in a region that I do not necessarily work in nearly as much, it is like the best feeling in the world because I know that there's some students there that have never heard from us, have probably never heard what we have to say and that we're gonna get to fill that gap. Um, and so that is something else that I'm really hoping comes from the PSA is us being able to reach maybe some more people that we haven't reached before and hopefully be able to get into more classrooms so that we can start speaking with more and more students on these important topics. Mm, that's awesome. I know. Yeah, that's something I'm really excited about. Um, partnering with like-minded organizations is always something that is encouraging um, and constantly inspires you to do more. I think it just kind of goes back to the importance of knowing you're not alone, um, that you're not the only one doing work out there that's important um, and needed. But also just, yeah, like I said, encouraging because you really can't do this by yourself because this <laughs> is a lot of work. So the fact that you have organizations like Mental Health Association of East Tennessee or larger organizations like Charlie Love and Arms that started from like just because they wanted to help um, raise awareness for this one person, you know, it's like, it kind of grew to be something more. Um, yeah. But I think it's so beautiful because it really kind of shows you the importance of community um, and the fact that people are actually wanting to cheer each other on and encourage each other um, to help create a really positive impact. So I love what you guys are doing. I love what you're doing with mental health 101 and teaching even just the basics. Like some people, like you said, didn't even realize that they had mental health and what that was. So even in that, you know, like, I think it's so important because once you learn that you can constantly, it, it's easier to learn other things that come up more yeah. in those conversations. So it's amazing what you guys are doing. Um, I'm really thankful that we're connected and that we're going to be collaborating on the PSA. Really excited about that. Excited to hear more of student stories. It's going to be, it's going to be so much fun. Um, and definitely a learning lesson. I think something <laughs> where we're all kind of growing from hearing those kids speak because they yeah. can teach us a lot of things. So thank you so much um, for taking the time to come on here and share all of that. I really appreciate you. Thankful for you, friend. Um, how can people stay connected with what you guys are doing with Mental Health Association? 
Okay, yeah, absolutely. So um, we have our website, which is literally just mhaet.com. Um, very simple. And so that's going to be kind of like the main hub for us to find those screenings we're talking about, find all of our contact information, learn more about the other programs that we do offer. Um, so our website is very informative, but we also are on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Instagram is MHAET as well. And Facebook, you can just type out our full name in there. Um, and so those are going to be the quickest ways for you to get in contact with us in regards to that. Um, I'm always open. I love getting emails from new people. Um, my email is sarah at mhaet.com. So try and keep it as simple as possible for everybody. Um, but yeah, those are going to be the quickest ways to connect with us. But um, thank you too for asking me to participate. I'm super excited. I was excited to do this. And I'm more excited for our work over the next couple months um, for what we're doing in September. I think it's going to be fantastic. It's definitely going to be fantastic. Something yeah. to remember for sure. Yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much. This has been so fun. Um, and for those listening, definitely go check out what they're doing. Their work is important. And I think we're all just going to be encouraged by it. Uh, but yeah, make sure you check that out. And then we will see you guys next time.